digging the well before you get thirsty is most people, they look at that and they go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And whether they do it or not, nobody ever thinks one day I'm going to be out on my keister and I'm going to need help. Nobody thinks they're actually going to be thirsty. They just think that, oh, that's a clever, cool slogan you have. And then for me, it was like, good thing I practiced what I preached, Mm. but did I do it well enough? Well, hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Rock Your Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Boker, a serial entrepreneur on a mission to help you. This show is designed to teach you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to take massive action and build a future-proof business. So whether you're just starting out or taking your existing business to the next level, this is your home. Now, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's rock your brand. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Rock Your Brand Podcast. This is episode 855, and today I have a special guest on the podcast. Jordan Harbinger is on the show, and if you've never heard of Jordan, well, where you been? He's everywhere. He's got a very, very popular podcast called The Jordan Harbinger Show, but... It isn't that old of a show, and uh, it's getting like 6 million downloads a month. Yeah, that's right, a month. Crazy, right? The thing is, it's not even that old, and one of the big reasons is is because the podcast he had before, which was the Art of Charm podcast he had with a couple of partners, well, uh, that partnership uh, didn't really work out. He actually got kicked out of his own podcast, his own brand, where they had all of the listeners, all of the all of the deals that were with uh, you know different uh, sponsors and different relationships, all disappeared for him. Had to go into legal battles and just a mess, right? And he actually even says on the podcast he started to to feel a little depressed. I mean, who wouldn't, right? And and started struggling with all of that stuff and went into a little bit of a dark hole for a little while, uh, but with some support of his of his wife and and his friends and family, he kind of picked himself back up, dusted him off, and said, wait a minute, I think I could start my own podcast without competing with that podcast, and maybe through the network that I've built, maybe I can build this thing again. And, uh, well, you're going to hear all the ins and outs and really the crazy story about how he actually can, he can barely even say certain things. And it's funny how he says this, that, uh, on the podcast, this episode that he's going to tell you, like, there's some things on this podcast that he may be saying that might put a red flag up and get a letter from an attorney. Um, the funny thing is, is, um, he's actually an attorney himself. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny, but anyway, Really good episode. I think the big takeaway here for you guys is to really understand that no matter where you are in your journey, you probably will face something that will challenge you. And to me, it's there for a reason because he'll say to you right now, if this never happened, if that partnership never failed, he never would have went on to start his own podcast, which never would have led him to where he is right now. So we always got to look at these challenges as a way for us to grow, but we got to recognize them, right? It's exactly what I talk about in my book, The Take Action Effect. One of these take action moments, one of these things that seems really bad, but turns into something really, really good. So guys, sit back, relax, be ready to go on this crazy ride with myself and Jordan Harbinger. Enjoy. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we're going through a pretty crazy time right now. And I know that you're kind of locked away in your, in your home office and, uh, and I am as well. But uh, I wanted to have you come on and really share a story that I heard you uh, share with our friend, uh, Pat Flynn. Uh, and you've been through some stuff here lately, not just this pandemic, but you've been through some stuff, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did not get COVID-19. But given <laughs> what happened to me two years ago with my business, I, I would probably have traded uh, yeah. you know, a little COVID, a little, a little of the uh, Corona, a little of the Rona for uh, the Rona. stress I went through probably would have taken less, fewer years off my life. I've had fewer gray hairs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when I heard that story, I was like, Whoa, like that is insane. So why don't you kind of give people that are listening, my audience, a little bit of backstory as far as Jordan, uh, you know, what he, uh, what he was up to and then kind of bring us up to the point of like, what the heck just happened? And then we'll talk about starting over because that's what I really do want to dig into. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I guess I'd been trying to do a podcast for years and years and years. And I'd started originally as a Wall Street lawyer. What do you mean? I guess I was. I'd been doing a podcast for a decade and change. And mm. I'd started this big company, big as in a few million dollars, not mm -hmm. like, you know, we're not talking a bit, an actual big company, but not mm -hmm. bad for a lifestyle business run by yeah. a bunch of schmucks from mm. Michigan. And <laughs> I ran the company for a while with friends. I'd started it in my 20s. And as I got like later into my, even my early 30s, I was like, hmm, I'm doing a lot of work and these guys are doing a lot of drinking, you know? And I'm like, and then it got worse. And I was like, hey, I'm wifed up now and you guys are pushing 40 and going to the bar all the time and like mm. not getting anything done. There's a lot of whining, a lot of complaining, a lot of self-sabotage, 2020 hindsight from these guys and what you don't realize when you're in a business is that you are you are married to your business your business married to your business partner so if they're an alcoholic that's your problem if they're doing drugs instead of doing work that's your problem if they're lying cheating stealing treating your clients like crap like that's your problem you don't go oh yeah my business partner he's such a jerk like you, you can only do that for so long right and people were always like, why don't you leave? Why don't you leave? And I was like, you don't understand. I was like, it's funny because it was like a, looking back on this, it was like a relationship with a bitter divorce in a way. Because mm -hmm. it was like, oh, you don't understand. I can't start over. I've been doing this for 11 years. They, you know, they have their downsides, but so does everybody. You know, am I really going to be able to find another setup that's better? Is this, you know, we'll make the best of this. I don't, and I moved away. I even moved out of this, the, the really? area of the state where the business was. And I moved in with my wife and started making a family and like building a house. And I was just like, oh, I'm fine. You know, out of sight, out of mind. But it was like mm. everyday check slack, passive aggressive bull crap in there. Just like, just garbage. Mm. It really drugged down the quality of our life. You know, we were stressed out. And then I was like, I got to leave. You know, I, I really do have to leave. So I talked to my team and I was like, guys, you know, what would you do if I left? And they were like, uh, we're going to come with you because we don't want to work here if you don't work here. And I was like, oh, I, I got to be careful. I can't really solicit, you know, current employees to come with me. But I'm like, well, all right, I'm taking their temperature. So finally, I use a little bit of social engineering, you might say, to get the other partner in my business to say, hey, why don't you split from the company? Because I knew if it was my idea, it would have been a no-go from the start. You know, every mm -hmm. idea I'd had other than doing the show was always a no-go and self-sabotage or sabotaged. So mm -hmm. I made it his idea or we made it his idea. And I said, fine. So we negotiated an amicable split. And I thought, I can't believe I'm finally going to get away from this. And then they got the bug in their head that I didn't really do anything around here, so to speak, and that they mm. could just do everything that I was doing, which was running sales, running marketing, running the podcast and running social media. 
Mm-hmm. And um, you can kind of imagine how that works out when you get rid of the person that's bringing in all the business and closing all the business in your business. Uh, so it didn't work out too well for them when they decided that that wasn't going to work. But in the meantime, I had already moved on and started the Jordan Harbinger show. But the problem was they were then really, it's, and I say they, but it was really just one weird sort of insecure dude. Mm-hmm. And what he had decided was, well, we can't let Jordan be successful without us. And, you know, when you get into the psychology of the situation, again, remember, your business married to this person. Does somebody who thought they were better than you for a really long time want you to succeed without them? No, because what does that say about them to them? If they're a healthy person, of course, they want you to succeed because they don't really care. They're thinking about their own stuff. But if somebody is not healthy, they don't want you to succeed without them because what it means is you never needed them or that they are somehow less than. That's what that means to like that sort of narcissistic ego mindset. So that couldn't stand. So they sued me uh, under some baloney like, oh, you have a non-compete or whatever. Like you took trade secrets and that's why your show's growing. And it was like, Mm -hmm. cool, good luck with that. So I just drug them through the mud and we went through a litigation, but I'm an attorney. I don't know if you knew that. So I was like, I'll just do all the heavy lifting and all of the doc review and everything. And then I'll have my lawyer look through it, approve of everything because he's an actual litigator. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't. And then rubber stamp it. So I cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees, all the while delaying things enough to where I was getting the Jordan Harbinger show rocking and rolling. And it just was such a shame because they really had destroyed their business that we had built for a really long time. They could have just let this go and we would have all been successful and we wouldn't have taken a hit. But it was, it was a real lesson in like ego and like humility for both sides because I was like, what am I going to do? I got to start over. I got nothing. You know, I took the team with me, couldn't even pay them, had to start a podcast and a business from zero. And I'd spent 11 years just sort of bumbling around and doing it. So I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be like broke until I'm 50. You know, it's going to be terrible. Um, within, in, inside of eight months, we had b- built the show, the Jordan Harbinger show back the same size slash now, of course, much larger than the old show ever was. And those guys have continued to sort of go down the drain. And it's been a mixed bag because for me, of course, I'm really happy and happier than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. But there's something that's a shame about watching something you built for 11 years just get ruined through classic just inept management it's really a shame because it doesn't affect me i wasn't going to get any money or anything for it but nobody wants to see if you sell a house that you built with your own hands and you see it burning down you're still going to be upset even if you sold it a few months prior you know what i mean oh yeah and it's funny that you say that because my wife and i went by her mother's house which we sold like years ago and uh when you go by and it's not being kept the same way it's kind of like oh my gosh like why are they letting that go? Like, why aren't they taking care of it? She used to always take care of it. It's kind of like looking at a business is like that too. You don't want to see the thing go to crap. You want the thing to succeed. But in your case, it's kind of like you, you kind of seen it coming, but then you're like, well, it's not mine anymore. But in the same right. breath, you help build it. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it was, no, I mean, it's like I mean, and people who haven't built something necessarily yet or are in the beginning of their journey, I think could probably still understand what this is like, you know, like Mm. think of a thing that you really treasure and then think about having to sell it due to some horrible thing. Like maybe you do have to sell your house to pay for your cancer treatment or something horrible. You still feel bad about losing that even if you won the overall war, but you, you know, you lost that battle there's still something tragic about it. So it was, and in the beginning it was really depressing because, you know, I had to start over. And then as soon as I started getting even a little momentum, I started getting sued and it was just like, wow, one thing after another here. Jeez. But I was able to, 
How do you get through that though, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, you, like, lean, you, you know, lean on your network, man. And it, that, that was the thing for me as I was like, okay, this has to be, I have to, I can't do this again by myself. Like I did it initially mm-hmm. by myself. I had my team working with me at the old company, but like even my business partners were 99% dead weight. So mm-hmm. I had never been able to do, I never in my mind had thought like, oh, I can do this by myself. That, that never occurred to me. And you can't anyway really do anything by yourself. You know, so luckily the show fans from the original show had come over to the Jordan Harbinger show in large numbers and also my team, like I said, had come with me, but I was like, hey guys, I'm barely paying you what you made before. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm not taking payment for like the first year. You know, it was a little rough. Luckily, I, I grew up with good saving habits. So I was able to coast for a long time. I could, I, I had like three years of runway in my, in mm-hmm. my accounts, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was okay. But um, good. Yeah. I leaned on my network a lot. You know, like mm-hmm. the month I left the old company and had to start over, I think I made man, a hundred plus phone calls that month alone to be like, here's where the help I need. Or I'm just venting to random people. Mm -hmm. I I asked for favors. Like I had people, I I did 80 shows in the first three months or or maybe, and then I think 140 in the first six months uh, of, of going on other people's shows, let alone producing three episodes a week of the Jordan Harbinger show. I called Mm. all my advertisers to make sure they were happy. I made sure that they got bonus impressions so that they, you know, performance was weird, that everything was all in the up and up. Mm. You know, I had to manage all those relationships. And of course, the split screwed over a lot of other people. Like there were people we had to let go. So I had to make sure that that relationship was maintained because I was like, hey man, I don't want you to be screwed just because of these a-holes negligence and like Mm. selfishness. Mm -hmm. And then and that's on our team, but also there were advertisers that were like, yo, we just gave you a hundred grand and now you're leaving the show, but we're like tied to these other guys contractually and the performance is dead. Like, wow. what can you do? And I'm like, well, you can't pay me because you already paid them. Mm. They're not going to give you the money back unless you sue them, which you know is a waste of your time because they're probably, they probably wasted the money already anyway mm. on legal fees. So mm. I had to like give free ads to those advertisers I mean, I could have screwed them over, but I decided mm-hmm. better to have a good rep. And of course, what's great is those same advertisers, after their impressions were done, they're like, great, well, we're going to renew with you. So it was worth it, you know, but it, it was like massive damage control. But it was all about relying on other people in my network. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm so clever. Let me like talk everyone into something. It was more like, hey, now's the time. I've been digging the well and planting these seeds of relationships and helping people for at that point, a decade and change. Now is the time where I, that I never thought would happen, where mm. I have to call them and say, hey, can you hook me up with a, a I need a quick solid here. I'm like <laughs> destitute. So yeah. that, that's the thing about digging the well before you get thirsty is most people, they look at that and they go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. And whether they do it or not, nobody ever thinks one day I'm going to be out on my keister and I'm going to need help. Nobody thinks they're actually going to be thirsty. They just think that, oh, that's a clever, cool slogan you have. Yeah. And then for me, it was like, Good thing I practiced what I preached, but did I do it well enough? Because if I didn't, I'm going to find out like right now whether yeah. or not I did. Did you see that coming when you were, I mean, I knew you seen it coming, but like three years ago or not three years, well, three years ago before it actually happened, were you like ever surmising that something like this could come or could happen? You know, I'd thought about it, but I was like, well, that here's the funny part. I, and, and this, this still sort of makes me chuckle to this day because it's such a miscalculation. What I thought was 
and correctly was well, they literally can't run the business without me because I do the show, which is the 100% of lead gen. I do the social media, which is 100% of fan interaction. I do all of the sales, which is where all of the revenue comes from. I was the creator of the product that we sold that was mm -hmm. not live training. So that was all my gener income generated by me. And I, everyone, even our like accountant and lawyer were like, well, yeah, they can't get rid of you. The company would fold. And I was like, yeah, so I'm relatively safe. Mm. Well, and I had a, con a contract that said that they couldn't do it. But once somebody locks you out of something, what are you going to do? You're going to sue them? Okay, mm. cool. Good luck with that. Mm. And that's going to take forever. And unless you're willing to be super dirty and like steal things from the company, which can definitely come back and bite you in the butt, you know, you could mm -hmm. be liable for some serious stuff here. Sure. Then, then you're, you're screwed. And 2020 hindsight, like I was still right. The company is in deep doo-doo. I mean, they are screwed now. They have no revenue from the show. They have like no, yeah, I mean, they, they're totally screwed. They've shot themselves in both feet and then reloaded the gun and, and did it again. But wow. when you're talking about people who don't know how to run a business and are like maybe not mentally quite all healthy, mm -hmm. they're not really thinking, oh, this is really bad for my revenue. I shouldn't do that. From what I understand, because I don't have contact with them directly, but I know people that have worked there before and like people that didn't come with me when I left that I'm on great terms with. And from what I understand, this has been very uh, uh, sort of illuminating for me and insightful. They'll say things like, oh yeah, you know, I went over there to have a beer because they had a barbecue and all they did was talk about how you screwed them over. And I'm like, dude, I'm the one that got shit canned. What are you talking about? But it's still a blame game. And I was like, Right. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. These are, this is a guy who on that end, my business partner, this is a guy who would rather be quote unquote right and look like a victim than be successful in any way at all. Like mm. if he can blame me while he's drowning himself by holding onto a cinder block of emotional baggage and jumping in the deep end of a pool, he'll be like, his last bubbles out of his mouth will be, this is all Jordan's fault. And I decided early on, yeah, how's that for a visual? I like um, that. That was good. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? Like this is a guy who's like tying bricks to himself and jumping in the deep end and being like, damn you, Jordan Harbinger, right? Yeah. So, but I'm like, I decided early on and through the advice of my wife and my team and my friends and my, my mentors, so to speak, like people I admire, role models, mm -hmm. they were like, we know you're super pissed and you want to go over there and torch the whole damn thing and like, mm -hmm. you know, run them down with your car, which like basically they were right at that point. Right. They were like, don't do it. It's a waste of your time. Like that business will fail or it won't. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. But what you need to do is put one foot in front of the other, rebuild. You still have your brand. You still have your network. You still have your show fans. You still have your wife. Like don't get all en engrossed in like this bitterness bullcrap because mm -hmm. you're just gonna drown yourself. And I, I, it was hard because I was like, I'm gonna do the revenge, right. you know? And everyone, <laughs> right. including my parents and wife were like, dude, no, just build the business. You'll be better off for it. It's gonna be mm -hmm. the best thing that ever happened to you. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a cliche. Like you're talking out of your wazoo. Why would this mm -hmm. be the best thing that ever happened to me? Two years on, I'm like, wow, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And, I'm, and I look at, I see, you know, hear them post, do something uh, negative or like say, this is all Jordan's fault. And I'm like, guys, like, it's just sad at this point. Mm. Who cares? Like, yeah. move on. Build a life for yourself. Like, I've, I've, I got married, had a baby. I'm building a house. My show's great. I'm having fun doing my business. The only bitterness that I would even have in my life is like when I, and I'm not saying this is, is negative, when I recount the story so that other people can learn from it. Like, I, mm. it, it occupies like zero real estate in mm. my psyche other than when we kind of like go, okay, here's a lesson for others. So I strongly encourage anybody who is like, really pissed off about anything in their life to really 
there's this old Buddhist or Chinese saying that's like, um, hatred is like drinking poison and hope, uh, expecting the other person to die. I'm butchering this, mm. right? I'm sort of paraphrasing, but it's so true. And I never really believed it until I went through this whole thing. Cause I, every time I sort of indulged like, yeah, and then I'm going to do this. Da, da, da. I, I remember right. the whole day, my wife would be like, wow, you're in a crappy mood today. And I'm like, you know why? Cause I'm sitting here daydreaming about some bull crap that is never going to happen because I'm mad about something and all this energy, all this negativity, all everything I'm putting into being in a bad mood could have been put towards my business, spending time with my family, friends, kid, whatever. Mm. So it's all such a waste of time. It really is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And I have a really good example of that on the other side of the equation where I look at my old business and I go, you guys are still throwing money at legal fees, writing, sending me threatening letters for stuff that's ridiculous. You need, you need the money right now. You're in an yeah. events business in COVID-19. Like, keep your money. Mm. Stop writing me $6,000 demand letters that I'm going to light on fire and ignore. Is that, that's like, literally, they're still sending you stuff? They're still sending me stuff. And it's funny because my attorney wow. and I, my attorney's a buddy of mine. Um, and like I said, I did all the heavy lifting. So he'll just forward it to me and I go, I think we can safely ignore this. But it's like 11 pages long. Oh and it's God. like, this tweet was clearly indicating about our business. And I'm like, how are they doing these mental gymnastics to find like me disparaging them when it's, it's like, even right now, I'll, I'll probably get some letter about this, but I'm like, I didn't name check you guys. If right. you identified yourself with what I'm talking about, mm. that's on you. But right, this right. is not disparaging. The na name of the business is, is absent from this conversation, deliberately right. so. And yeah, they'll send me a, a demand letter and I'm like, this cost you guys so much money to send. And my lawyer and I are like, just kind of, he'll just laugh it off. I'll just click delete and that's the end of it. I'm like, these wow. guys are living in the past, you know? you have wow. to be really careful because it is so easy to do. And I did it for a while myself mm. where I was like, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to show them and I did it. Any, any real estate you have in your psyche that isn't just like a memory is such a, an absolute waste of energy. Like any action yeah. you take to piss somebody off or like get back at somebody mm. instead of moving forward is such a freaking waste of time. It's so, it's so true. And I'm glad that you highlighted that. And, and you, you spent some time there. I mean, you're not, you're yeah. not ignoring that. You're like, no, I no, was no, no. there. But you're, I'm, you're not, like, I'm not talking about yeah. how I'm like such a clever, like, you yeah. know, impervious. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't come out of a monastery and be like, oh, better you than me. <laughs> no, I, I spent weeks being like, ah, yeah. these guys. And then for months after that, during the first year, I was like, these guys, you know, once a month or so. Mm. Now I'd say every quarter, and I'm only two years in, every quarter I'll have a day where I'm like, and then they did this and wow, woe is me. Mm. And then I'll look at my 10 month old son and I'm like, snap out of it, dude. Every second you spend, wallowing in this baloney is like yeah. just wasted time. Yeah. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I try to think about this. I go, Crazy. it's easier for me now that they are failing and I'm successful, but what would mm -hmm. it be the other way around? Would I still be bitter? So that would be the real challenge is like, mm -hmm. would I be upset if it hadn't worked out for me? Mm -hmm. And it's hard for me to answer that question, but I know now from having worked so hard to rebuild everything that's going on that I would have just kept working. And I, I encourage other people to do that. You know, like I was really suffering in the beginning of this because it felt like all my energy was going everywhere. And it was like, a, I was like a blender with the top off where it makes just a big mess. But speaking of take act, hashtag take action. Yeah. Um, the action really, taking action really did end my suffering because I, I knew that the blender sort of status where everything is going everywhere and making a huge mess, you know, was not good. So I decided to focus on a, like a laser beam and every day I, pl I plan my day out in like 15 minute increments. 
And I, every time these negative sort of, oh, well, I'm going to do this. And then they're going to see that I would just push that by force out of my head mm. and just channel any sort of bitterness, anger, resentment into being like, okay, well, instead of sitting here and getting pissed off about that, I'm going to go for a 10 mile walk and read this entire book in mm. preparation for this podcast that I have next week or next month. Mm. And I'm going to go to the gym and, and work out extra hard, or I'm going to call a friend and like renew a relationship that is, is, I haven't talked to for a long time instead of like sitting in my room and being like plotting some bullcrap revenge plan. Like, you, you know, you do that when you're super oh, yeah. pissed off and angry and I decided to just channel it and it's easier said than done, but I highly recommend people do that. Cause I had so much like anxiety. I'd wake up at 3am and I was like, I can't sleep. And my wife's like, Oh my God, you're a mess dude. Mm. And instead of just laying in bed, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to let my body have what it wants, which is like this sort of panicky feeling. And I'm just going to go to the gym at 5 a.m. or 4.30 or whatever time it was when they open. And they're like, okay, yeah. there's the weirdo that like clearly hasn't gone to bed yet. There's that guy that's mad. There's that guy that's angry at life. <laughs> yeah. And I would work out and I would go read and then I would eat a breakfast. And, I, and it was like, I've never been more productive in my life. And then eventually I started building so much momentum with what I was doing that I realized, hey, it's all going to be okay. And that made a huge difference in my life. Huge. So I got two things. I, I know I know we we are short on time, but I wanted to get to two things. Number one, uh, I am big on take action. I wear a shirt. I got the hashtag, the whole thing, right? Like I'm big on. I wrote a book on it, right? Because it's mm -hmm. a big deal for a lot of people. And I always look at these moments. Like I think I know what your moment is, but is that a moment that you would say, like, man, if that never happened, I wouldn't be where I am right now? I mean, I almost can clearly say it because I usually ask people, I'm like, what was your take action moment? What is something that if you, if not something never happened, you would never have seen something or did something. Is this one of those like moments that you look back on and you're like, yep, that's it. Yeah, probably. I mean, look, the, this is a, this was a forcing function for me mm -hmm. because I, I think I mentioned before, I was pretty miserable in the business and I was just trying to ignore it, my old business. Mm -hmm. And all of the problems that I had with like the partner and all the things that, all the projects that got sabotaged and all the stupid crap that was going on, I just tried mm -hmm. to push it out. And I was like, I'm just going to focus on going to the gym and being fit and all this. Stuff. But then it, it was like this, I would talk to my friends and they go, how's your business going? And I'd be like, well, there's this stuff, but you know, whatever. And I can't even count the number of people that were like, come here, you know, sit down. Let's, let's, let's crack a beer. Tell me what's going mm. on. And they'd be like the, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, they'd be like, you have got to get the F out of that mm. situation. Like imagine talking about your significant other with people and everyone's like shaking you and being like, leave, yeah, you know, yeah. red flag. But when it's your yeah. business, you're like, no, you don't understand. And my, I had close friends be like, dude, you sound like somebody who is stuck in like this abusive situation and we're telling you to leave and you're like denying it. And I'd have a laugh over it, but at, at some point I'd be like, nope, you're 100% correct. So this was a forcing function. I didn't have the guts to leave and start over because I thought, how am I gonna replace 11 years of effort? Mm. Um, but then getting the boot, so to speak, or having the rug pulled out from under you more accurately, mm. I didn't have a choice. And then when I started rebuilding, like literally eight months later, which is a long time, but not that long, mm. I remember going, oh my God, I should have done this years ago, but yeah. I didn't. So now yeah. I think whenever I'm in a situation where I'm like, oh, this is miserable, I'm not gonna let it fester for half a decade or whenever the turning point was for this company. Mm. I'm gonna make sure that I am in front of this stuff. It's not that you're not gonna work hard to solve problems, but when you get the idea that the other person is not even interested in solving the problem and just wants mm. to complain or sabotage, yeah, you yeah. have to get out of there. 
I'm not going to let my kid do it. I'm not going to let my wife do it. Mm. I'm not going to let any of my future business partners affect me in a negative way or let them get in a negative headspace like this for too long. It's just not worth it. It's like the most da- psychologically damaging thing that I, I think anyone can go through. Yeah, no, one I agree. Of the most, one of the most. Yeah, no, I agree. And thanks for sharing all that. Uh, so one thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you selfishly now because you did rebuild and uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a podcaster. We're on a podcast. I have other businesses as well, but you know, building an audience, it's, it's a long, it's a long journey and you're yeah. building in, you know, loyalty and, and all of that stuff. And for a lot of people, it gets frustrating because they're looking at the numbers they're looking at their Instagram, they're looking at other people's vanity numbers and they're like comparing themselves. But my question to you is like, you're, you started over, you did have some fans to bring over. So you had a little bit of a head start, but you built that nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. If you didn't have that, Let's pretend you didn't have that. Or maybe those people were like, I'm not going with Jordan. I don't like Jordan. I'm not going to go with him. What would you have done to build that future audience without having that? You know, I would try to, of course, go on. Well, I would say going on other shows is key. Like doing things like this, going on other shows was the number one driver of audience for the old show and the new show. Mm -hmm. Yes, I had a lot of fans come over, but there are tons of people that are like, nope, just found you a few months ago because of your appearance on, you know, Pat Flynn or whatever, like whatever. So that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And so creating relationships with other podcasters, going on other shows, having a story and lessons that are of value, like that's all super key. And there really isn't like, short of getting extremely lucky, and being like catching lightning in a bottle or like, hey, my friend is Joe Rogan and I'm going to start a podcast and I happen to also be super interesting and he's going to have me on eight times. Like, you know, like I know some folks like that where I go, okay, you're good at what you do, but you also realize like this particular opportunity was handed to you, right? Mm. But even then, when you look at those people, you go, yeah, but you spent 15, 20 years doing this other thing, like studying some subject that made you an interesting person because you can't just go on a big ass show. You couldn't, Look, maybe you got famous because Oprah brought you on her platform 10 years ago, but she brought you on because you had done something for the 10 years prior to that that made you qualified for it. There are very, very few people that just win the, the, the business lottery. Mm. Sure, there's a few here and there, but they're so few and far between that it's not exactly like a replicable strategy. And mm. I think people should basically not even try to do that. Um, Silicon Valley is full of those people. Like, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get acquired by that. And right. you, you know, I know people that are on like startup number 10 and I'm like, dude, you need to actually get a job. You've been making 38 grand a year for 10 years yeah, yeah. and you're 50 and it's like maybe going to happen, but maybe not. And even if it does, you have to now make like, a, you have to exit with like $50 million in order to make up for the opportunity cost of making Jack squat and not investing for the last, right. you know, right. two decades. So it's a really, really bad strategy if you're not in your 20s and just sort of able to do whatever you want. So yeah. I'm, I'm much more a fan of consistency and mm-hmm. building brick by brick than rolling dice until maybe one day you win because I just know too many people that haven't won. We have a survivor bias in the media where we go, yeah, but look at this guy and look at that guy. And it's like, mm-hmm. cool, where are the guys that don't have microphones and video cameras on them because they didn't have a 20, 50, $200 million exit? Where are the people that are on their mom's couch at age 40 because idea number 58 flopped and they're like out of ideas and they're burned out and they don't know what they're, what's next for them and they haven't built a life for themselves. We don't hear from them because they are not successful and they don't have a microphone and a platform. So we only hear from success stories and it, it's called survivor bias and, and it's really, really 
unhealthy to look at that. It's, it's a sort of subset of selection bias where you go, yeah, but Jordan Arbinger, Pat Flynn, Jocko, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, those guys are all doing well. Great. There's literally 1 million plus podcasts. Where are the other 900,999 and change? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, where are those people? Mm. Where, are, where are they today? Are they still working? Did they give up? Like, it doesn't, there's nothing that says that the, the, the reason that I have a successful show is partially hard work, I'd say mostly, but there's a huge element of luck. So you have to be really careful to account for that. And successful people generally don't account for that. They want to go 98% uh, hard work right. and turmoil, blood, sweat, and tears. And yeah, I got some things right. Like, da, da, da. Look at anybody who's successful, even in tech, we have massive scale. Mm-hmm. Very few people are like, yeah, this was the plan all along. And even those that are, they're, they're massively discounting the role that luck played. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool, but you had access to computers in 1996 right. when nobody else did. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, this guy's a genius, except his dad worked at Hewlett Packard and he had a home computer with an internet connection in 1989. Mm. Right. Okay, well, yeah, a little that's bit of luck. an advantage. Yeah. That's luck. It's a massive <laughs> advantage that they did not earn. Yeah. Right. right. And so would you say though, on the luck side of things, in order to get lucky though, you got to do something, right? You have to increase your surface area for luck. Like that is, that is certain, you know, you, you, you can't just, you can control the amount of work you put into something. You can control your skill set and the ability to capitalize on opportunities. You can control how sort of worthy you are of an opportunity. Like if I get put in a big media platform, am I going to embarrass myself? Maybe not because mm. I have enough experience and practice. Yeah. But you, you, you add luck to that mixture. It's the spice, not the dish. And I think a yep. lot of people are just really hoping that they're going to eventually catch lightning in a bottle and it just doesn't happen. It's really easy to be envious of those people and therefore give them undue real estate in your brain by looking at the guy who started a podcast two years ago and now has this show the same size as yours or bigger. Right. And you go, yeah, but there's other things that happened in here. And how many of those guys are there that you know? Oh, well, like two. Okay, well then, Mm. two out of a million. I don't Mm. really love those odds. You have a better shot at winning the lottery. Yeah, no, that's that's all good stuff. I appreciate it, man. Um, Okay, so let's wrap this up. I know you got another another meeting to get to. So um, what would you give people as far as just like last little bit of advice, just even just wrapping it up nice and tight for them? Because I know you have a lot of knowledge up there just from your experience. And then also let people know how they can hear more uh, from you, Gordon. Yeah, I would say that, look, networking and and relationship development has always been key for me. Do something every day that increases that, and I'll give you the drill for it. Every day in the morning or so, wake up, look at your phone. I mean, not the first thing, whatever you want to do, but sometime during the morning, go into your texting app, scroll all the way down to the bottom. Those are those like weak and dormant ties, people you haven't talked to in a few years re-engage those people, give them an update on what you're doing, tell them what you're up to, ask what they're up to and start a little text conversation. Do it with one person per day for like the next 30 days. It's really easy. It'll take you 10 seconds. You will find tons of opportunities in those people. Most of them will never be able to help you. You won't have anything to do to help them, but you should try and see what you can do for each of those people, not what they can do for you. This is a habit that I do called Connect Four where I do it with four people a day and it's resulted in crazy stuff like speaking gigs that are paid, getting introductions to incredible people. Like some of the celebrities I get on the show, people go, oh, how'd you get Kobe Bryant? That's amazing. How did you get Reed Hoffman? And it's like, well, I texted somebody. I helped them with something. Later on, they said, hey, I happen to be doing this project with so-and-so. Would you be interested? 
that all comes from this because it's a numbers game. If you help a hundred people a month with something tiny and, and scalable, you're going to have one or two of those people help you with something back. And if you don't keep score, but you keep doing this consistently and it takes you four minutes a day, you're going to see crazy opportunities come out of that stuff at scale. So create those relationships, do this connect for drill. And I have more in my, uh, my course, which is free, by the way, it's uh, called six minute networking because uh, five minute networking was taken already. Uh, go to jordanharbinger.com slash course. It's totally free. You don't have to enter your card or anything. I give it away because the more people that do this, the more they get opportunities, the bigger their network grows. And I'm kind of a node in there because I taught them how to do this, even if I did it virtually. And yeah. so I think the more you do this, the more luck, quote unquote, you're going to have. You're increasing your surface area for luck. So that's really the key. And uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, man. I really appreciate it. People can find me at the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's my podcast. And there's a lot more tips, tactics like this from people a lot smarter than myself. Yeah, that's awesome. Jordan, thank you so much, man, for thank taking you. time out of your day. And I truly appreciate you, man. And keep rocking, man. Keep rocking. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Take, take care. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. Well, I wasn't kidding, right? What a wild ride that was for all of us. Man, and I'm just so thankful that Jordan shared all that with us because I think it's important for all of us to know that everything might look good on the surface, but underneath there, there's some stuff going on or, you know, at least, you know, not always, but there's things that are being, uh, or that are challenging to, to any of us, to me, to you, to Jordan, to anyone, right? It doesn't matter, but we have to understand that those are opportunities as well to be able to say, Hey, listen, I still got skills, right? I still got things that I've built up. I've still got a network that I've built. And you can hear in that interview that Jordan says it's really important to build those networks and those relationships because that's what you can tap into later. You know, it's the whole saying, you know, dig the well before you're thirsty. Same idea, right? You might be thirsty in 10 years from now. You might want to start digging that well right now. So think about that. And uh, again, this episode was really just to to really inspire you and motivate you. That's what these Wednesday episodes are really all about. Yes, you're going to learn something from them and you should, and you should be able to look at that and go, wait, wait a minute. Did I have a similar situation? Maybe not as bad as that, but something that I didn't recognize as an opportunity. Maybe I need to look at that, or maybe I need to look at my own network, or maybe I need to look at my own skill set. So I really want you to take these episodes and think about how does it apply to you or how does it help you or how does it motivate you or inspire you? All right, so that's what these are designed to do. All right, and I got a lot more coming, all right? So this is episode 855. Once again, you can grab all the show notes, the transcripts, all the links that I shared there with uh, you know Jordan stuff and everything in between can be found over at 855. So that's brandcreators.com forward slash 855. All right, guys, so that's it. That's gonna wrap it up. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now let's rock your brand.